Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. I will be reading from the book by Jensen Franklin, Overcoming When You Feel Overwhelmed, Five Steps to Surviving the Chaos of Life. What's your character? C. You can lead without character, but you won't find a leader worth following. Your character will always outweigh your position. If you say you're going to do something for someone, do it. If you promise someone you'll be there by five, show up on time. If you volunteer to help a friend move, don't bail out at the last minute just because it may not have been the best idea to begin with. Character matters. When Abraham and Sarah were visiting a place called Gerar, the king of that region, Abimelech, took one look at Sarah and fell into lust. You can find that in Genesis 20. Even though a harem of beautiful women surrounded him every day, he couldn't take his eyes off Sarah. By the way, she was 99 years old at the time. I think we all want to take whatever she's having. (laughs) Abraham didn't want to get in trouble with the king, so he lied and he said Sarah was his sister. Sarah went along with the fib. The king was pleased and arranged for Sarah to visit him in his palace. That night, before King Abimelech even touched Sarah, God came to the king in a dream. God was furious and he told him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Genesis 23. After the king picked up his mouth off the floor, he and the Lord had this conversation. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister, and she even herself said, he is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die and you and all of yours. Genesis 24 through 7. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. Examine your character. According to Proverbs 10, 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. It's always the right time to do what is right. Watch your household, H. Besides God, there's nothing more precious to me than my family. And now my sons-in-law and grandkids. My family is worth more to me than silver and gold. They're worth more than any acclaim the world could ever offer and any title or position I could ever earn. I understand that everyone has a different family dynamic. 
You might not be married or you might be divorced and be sharing custody of your children. Maybe you're child free by choice, but whatever our dynamic, we all have people who fall into the circle that we call our household. Whether you have kids or not, choose to invest in the next generation. Don't become so preoccupied with schedules and routines and so overwhelmed with responsibilities. I know there are many. Your priority is to love and serve your family and it gets left behind. Today, being busy seems to equal success. Many of us complain about being time poor and lacking the energy and hours it takes to invest in our relationships with our spouse and children. Make time for your family. Play with them. Take them out for no particular reason. Listen to them more than you talk. Instead of just taking them to church on Sundays, show them the love of Christ during the week. The Bible tells us that Abraham's nephew Lot was once kidnapped. Lot's father, Abraham's brother, had died. So Abraham took in Lot as if he were his own son. When Lot was captured by five enemy armies, Abraham knew that if he tried to coordinate a a rescue attempt, that he would be outnumbered. But he did it anyway. Abraham was willing to pay any price to get his nephew back. And with God's grace, his plan worked. Pray for your children, your nephews, your nieces, your friends' children, and those children that you teach or watch. Determine that these children will be fruitful in the kingdom of God and that hell will not have them in Jesus' name. When you pray and stand on God's word, you are wielding two of God's greatest weapons, not only for yourself, but also for your household. Beware of Satan's greatest attack of offense. Along with standing watch, there is something we also must guard against offense in these end times i see satan's attack on believers and non-believers alike through the spirit of offense offense is running rampant through the church through offense the enemy is constantly trying to derail the victorious life of the believer jesus warned us this very thing listen and then many will be offended will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Matthew twenty four ten through 13 I'm sure you know at least one person who has stopped attending church or listening to anything related to Jesus because He or she was offended by something that a Christian said or did. Maybe the person felt insulted because the pastor of the church he or she was visiting, they talked about tithing. Maybe it was hearing news of yet another church leader involved in a scandal. Maybe this person didn't like a teaching in the Bible because it just didn't seem right. 
The New Testament alludes 17 times to someone being offended. While the word offense is mentioned 16 times, one of the main words translated into English as offense in the New Testament is the Greek word scandalon. It is defined as properly the trigger of a trap. The closing of a trap down on an unsuspecting victim. Satan is always setting traps for you to fall into. He wants to get you offended so he can rob you of the miracles Jesus wants to do for you. Two verses in the Gospel of Matthew speak powerfully to the dangerous effects of offense in the life of a believer. First, in explaining the parable of the sower, Jesus says in Matthew thirteen twenty twenty one, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. In the King James Version, the word he stumbles is translated this way. He is offended. Next, we have Matthew thirteen fifty-three through 58. Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Where then did this man get all of these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. In these two passages in particular, the word of God shows that when you move into the place of offense, the miracle stops the Holy Spirit may be moving in a church, but if people there are harboring offense in their hearts, the Spirit will shut down a supernatural move of God. Leave the justice and vengeance and righteousness to God. Don't miss your miracle because of the offense. When David volunteered to fight Goliath, his brothers got jealous and started yelling insults at him and taunting him. His oldest brother angrily demanded, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. These brothers preferred for David to stay in his lane and tend sheep rather than battle against a giant. David had to step over the offense of his brothers belittling him. 
He didn't acknowledge it. If he had, it could have robbed him of the miracle of slaying Goliath. You'll never kill the giant in your life until you first let go of the offense. Then God will begin to fight your battles for you. As he awaited execution in prison, John the Baptist sent word via his disciples to Jesus to ask if he was indeed the Messiah. Here was John's reasoning. If Christ was the miracle-working Messiah, he would have the power to get John out of prison. If Christ was not the one, then John's ministry was incomplete, and he would somehow be released to continue preaching to his wilderness congregation at the Jordan River until the correct Messiah appeared. Jesus told John's disciples to go back to John and tell him that the blind were seen, the deaf were hearing, the lepers were being cleansed, the dead were being raised, and the poor were receiving the Gospels. Jesus then delivered a powerful statement for John's disciples to relate to him. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John did not die offended at Christ. We must not die with offenses in our hearts. When the answers we get do not meet the expectations, we must trust that God knows about our situation and is still working things out for our good. Like John, the Apostle Paul also learned to move beyond offense. A group of zealous Jewish men hated Paul because they detested his conversion to Christ. The group brought false charges against him, accusing him before the authorities of creating dissension, profanity, the temple, and being a mover among all the Jewish people in the world. You can find that in Acts 24, 5, and 6. These charges required Paul to stand before the governor and defend himself. He had been lied about and verbally abused, and these vicious men had assaulted his character, yet Paul bore no ill will. In fact, He said in his statement of defense, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Acts 24, 16. How do you know you're holding on to an offense? If you make a habit of still talking and thinking about what happened to you or who hurt you, and if you long for revenge... You are still carrying an offense. How can you let go of this offense? Nobody can do it for you. Just as nobody can do your sit-ups and your push-ups for you, the word exercise means to train and by implication alludes to striving for something. Staying offense-free is something you must train your mind and spirit to do. Always striving to keep your conscience clear from brain fog produced by offenses. If you don't have a healthy spirit, you have to look within. Ask God to create in you a clean heart and a right spirit. He will do it. He always does.